the legislation obviously needs to go through and be passed by the Houses of the Oireachtas before any um, service can be implemented. Otherwise, it's illegal, obviously. But in anticipation of the legislation being completed by the end of the year, the HSE, in association with the Department of Health and with all of the hospitals around the country and the ICGP, the uh, family planning clinics, the women's health clinics, have been doing a huge amount of work on drawing up guidelines, determining what uh, infrastructure requirements are, determining what funding requirements are and staffing requirements are, uh, and putting in place those uh, those needs in order to get the service up and running by the beginning of next year. Are you confident that timeline will be met, or is it very tight? It's a very tight timeline, uh, definitely. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I am pretty confident, yes, that it will be met. Okay, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're hearing back from the different parties who will be involved with this. What sort of concerns and challenges are you hearing about? Well, I have uh, discussed the needs with the family planning clinics, for example, the IFPA and the Wild Women Centre and a few other clinics around the place. Uh, with the ICGP, we're in regular meetings with them and so we're familiar with what their what their needs are. And I've also travelled around the country. I've been to Drogheda, the three Dublin hospitals, Wexford, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Castlebar, Sligo, Letterkenny, Cavan uh, and uh, Mullingar. So I've travelled around an awful lot of the hospitals, and there are common themes which emerge. Um, Some of the concerns are around uh, infrastructural deficits, but we're very well aware of those. Everybody is in Ireland. And I think the anticipated workload will not um, interfere too much with what's going on in the hospitals. Obviously, if you place a woman on on an operating theatre list, uh, then that displaces another woman. But there are ways around that. Um, For example, the National Treatment Purchase Fund, is one way of alleviating the, if you like, the intrusion of introducing a new service on women who are already waiting for gynaecological procedures. The general practitioners, um, my impression is that there are plenty of general practitioners spread around the country in order to provide a service, a very satisfactory service, uh, right across the country, um, uh, you know, from the, the whole country, from Donegal right down to the southwest. Is that your understanding of it, or do you think there'll be pockets where there won't be GPs who are willing to carry out the service, and it might leave somebody in one of those areas vulnerable to have to travel? Well, I think uh, some degree of travel is probably necessary, mm. but that's the case in all countries. If you take somewhere, say, for example, like New Zealand, uh, or indeed Australia, now we're obviously an awful lot smaller than Australia, but in countries like that, people do women do have to travel. But I think the important thing to understand is that they won't have to travel outside the country. Mm. And there is a 24-hour, uh, seven-day-a-week helpline which is being uh, set up by the HSE in order to look after the needs of women in terms of uh, where they should attend and also uh, any counselling needs that they may have. If it's okay with you, I'd like to talk a little bit practically about how we would, what, what you would see to be best practice when this comes into place um, mm. in January. So... A woman's in a crisis pregnancy and uh, she wants to have an abortion. Is her She has the helpline available to her that yes, you just exactly. mentioned. Yeah. If she rings her doctor, then you know maybe she won't want to go to her GP. Maybe she would want to go to another GP. And we all know how hard it is to get seen by a GP if, they're not, if you're not on their list. Yes. Just practically, how will that work? There are, as you say, practical difficulties. And I think, for example, a lot of women uh, working in, in cities might have come from the country and not changed GPs. Mm. So you might have a woman working in Dublin whose GP is in Kerry, for example. 
Um, but there are enough uh, providers in the community who would be willing to take on women who are not on their list, if you like, uh, and look after their needs. So what would happen is that a woman would phone the helpline. Uh, she would be asked, where are you and how far pregnant are you? As well as other questions, mm. obviously, in a sympathetic way. And she would then be directed to the nearest doctor uh, to her who can look after her. Okay. And she would then go and see that person and take it from there. Will it be an opt-in or an opt-out service for GPs? Like, will there be a list of GPs who are happy to carry out the service that somebody can access quite easily? The helpline will have um, access to the GP or the doctor in the community who's closest to the woman uh, when she phones the, the helpline. So it will be effectively an opt-in an opt service. And the way uh, doctors will opt in is if they sign a contractual agreement to provide the service, well, then they'll be identified as a, as a service provider and their location obviously will be known. OK, um, talk to me a little bit, Dr Boylan, about the issue um, of abortion pills. It did become a big part of the campaign. But in terms of how they're administered then by a GP, can you talk us through that? Yes, so um, the way the system is designed to work is that a woman will attend her GP um, as early as possible. And uh, the GP's first thing to do in a practical sense is to certify that she is less than 12 weeks pregnant or no more than 12 weeks pregnant. And uh, if the GP is doubtful about whether or not she's, say, 9 or 11 weeks, well, then they will refer for an ultrasound scan. But the clock, if you like, will start ticking from the time that the GP first sees the woman and is comfortable that she is in good faith that she's less than 12 weeks or no more than 12 weeks, I should say. She will then um, come back three days later and she'll be given the first tablet uh, by the GP and she then goes home with the other tablets to take 24 to 72, 48 hours later. Better to take them 48 hours later as a general rule. And then she'll experience um, what is like a miscarriage with uh, cramping and bleeding and passage of clots and so on. And then after some time she can go back to the GP uh, for a checkup. And if she has any concerns about bleeding or worry that she might have an infection, both of which are rare, uh, she can phone the helpline and get directed to the appropriate person then. Or it may just be a matter of take some more painkilling tablets or whatever. That um, wait time there, the cooling mm. off period as it has been known, is that something you're in favour of? Well, it's something that uh, exists in other countries um, and it seems to exist in a very satisfactory way. For example, in uh, in Holland... They have a, a longer waiting period between the first consultation and actually commencing the process. So it's something that will be reviewed as the legislation is reviewed. I understand that the Minister is going to introduce um, an amendment uh, that the uh, legislation will be, will be reviewed in three years' time. And that is something that might be looked at at that time. My own personal view is that it, that is not necessary. But that Do you think very it's paternalistic? Well, um, I've been quoted as saying it is paternalistic, so I do, yes. But I, I don't see a problem with it, really, to be honest with you, for the first for the first while, for the first several years. This is a whole new experience for everybody in this country, and I think we need just to take it carefully. Tell me about some of the opposition that we heard from some of the TDs um, at the committee stage of the bill last week. There's certain kind of issues, I think, that are raising their head again and again, like maybe like the conscientious objection issue. Right. But I know mm. it was several days of debate. There was a lot said. What did you make of that? What we heard come out of the committee last week? Well, what I heard coming out of it basically was that there were a lot of amendments suggested mm. and none were passed uh, or accepted onto, onto the legislation. So the legislation, as far as I'm aware, remains more or less as yeah. it is. 
um, apart from the uh, agreement to reduce the uh, review period from five to three years. Um, I think the Minister accepted that proposed amendment. Um, but other than that, um, a lot of the... I mean, I, I didn't listen to the to the thing because it's entirely legislation, uh, and I have no input into legislation. So your groundwork continues then. What would be your number one concern, or is there something that you're quite concerned about as we try to move forward in the time frame, which is, as you say, tight? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, different issues that are being addressed in a very satisfactory way. Um, it's important, for example, that GPs have ready access to ultrasound. It's important that they have ready access to a 24-7 helpline. Um, there are issues around the availability, uh, which have been addressed successfully, the availability and the administration of the tablets, the HP, the uh, HPRA, who look after the licensing of drugs and so on in the country, mm. have been very helpful in that regard. So there's been a lot, and there's a huge amount of work going on in the background between the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the I, uh, ICGP, the College of General Practitioners, and the family planning clinics and women's health clinics, all working together to develop guidelines and models of care, uh, which will give a very satisfactory service to women. After the campaign, which, you know, it seems long ago now, but it's not that Mm, long ago, and it was certainly bruising for everyone involved. (laughs) Did you think twice when they asked you to, you know, spearhead how abortion was actually going to be brought in practically in Ireland? Did you think, okay, I've had enough of this or did you grab the opportunity with both hands? Uh, Well, neither really. (laughs) (laughs) I had finished my time as chairman of the Institute of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and now Dr. Cleena Murphy is now the new chair of the Institute. And around about the same time, um, there was a meeting of all of the different people involved and um, around that time, the minister asked me, would I become involved as an advisor? Um, so I agreed. I thought it would have been a bit hypocritical of me, really, to say mm, no. To kind of bow out now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd committed so much to it at that time, I felt that I really couldn't say no. So it's been a fascinating experience, and it's been very rewarding. There's a lot of people working very hard, all in a very cooperative way, to, to try and get it over the line. And there's a lot of money in the background as mm. well from the government. In Actually, order speaking to about money, just in the papers this week, there's been stuff about the price of abortion. Are we confident that it is going to be a free service? Yes, oh yes, it's free at the point of of delivery, yes. So any woman who turns up to her GP or to a hospital uh, will have an abortion free. She won't have to pay. And what about in terms... Unless she comes from outside the country. Okay, and what about in terms of doctors who opt in? How much will they get for the service? Well, I understand from what's been in the newspapers and so on that they're proposing that they get €450 uh, for each woman that they care for. And have you um, heard any feedback about that? No, it's, it's a bit soon, really, I think. Um, I think the feedback will be the number of doctors who sign up, really. OK, and you're hopeful that that will be a lot, they'll be countrywide in every county? Yeah, I mean, I've travelled, you know, from the north to south, east and west, and up and down mm. the middle and so on, and engaged, and also during the, the um, referendum campaign, I would have met an awful mm. lot of GP groups who were involved in the Together for Yes um, grouping. And certainly, um, you know, from Donegal right down to Kerry and so on, um, there there are enough GPs to provide the service. And the actual numbers means that each individual GP, if there's enough of them, won't have to see too many women. You know, it'll be just the odd one, really.
Okay. Just one final question before you go, Dr. Boylan. I wanted to touch on the National Maternity Hospital with you. Mm. Um, this campaign from the Our Maternity Hospital campaign um, that the new National Maternity Hospital and St. Vincent's, so doctors, midwives will be bound to the ethos and values of the Sisters of Charity. But the Department of Health is confident and they're saying that the hospital will provide all lawful procedures. Are you happy with the setup there? Is that still a concern of yours? Well, my understanding is that there's a lot of negotiation going on in the background and I'm not a party to that. Okay. So I suppose whenever the final agreement is, is revealed or whenever the parties agree to a final agreement, then we'll have a much better picture. But I'm confident that an agreement will be reached um, because otherwise it, it won't work. <laughs> and it's, it's got to be done in the interest of the women of Ireland, obviously. OK, Dr. Boyle, I appreciate your time this Sunday morning. Uh, thanks for talking to us on, on the record. You're very welcome.